Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Okay, so this is going to be a unique episode, somewhat of a special episode, and this is actually from what I'm going to call a lost webinar. (laughs) So uh, I've alluded to this a couple times on the show, but we've actually been doing a ton of work in the estate and elder planning space uh, over the last year or so primarily using a webinar model to replace uh, firms that were either using seminars before the pandemic broke out or people who were not able to do webinars before because we actually found out that the economies uh, worked a lot better for those solo practices that were never able to do seminars on their own. Anyways, not to digress too much, but basically we ended up recording, uh, we've done several webinars at this point, and this latest one is one that we actually stopped advertising for. And the reason why is because we actually gave away way too much in this one. So uh, we're no longer actively advertising this. I'm going to leave the link in the show notes. So we're not going to have the whole webinar. It's just going to be one section from it. But if you are an estate planning or elder planning attorney, I think this is going to be a great episode. If you're interested in webinars in general, and I think this isn't something for every practice area, like certainly not going to be the move for personal injury, but if you have some aspect of the people who hire you are in a position where more information would be helpful to either differentiate them or let them know about something that they might not be aware of. Um, again, it's not only estate planning that happens to be all that we're doing, but I think this could be helpful for you as well. So without further ado, we will get into the webinar. And if you want to see the whole thing, go ahead and click the link in the show notes to listen to it in full. Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. So Ken and I actually, so, um, you know, we've, uh, (laughs) we're pretty aggressive with the market. I'm not going to say aggressive. I'm going to say politely uh, persistent, but basically Ken had responded to one of our emails initially, or I think it was actually an ad, but it was back in April. So actually kind of a similar foil to Lisa from the first section. She, he also had a multi-office location, several attorneys under him and just been doing really, really well with the seminar model heading into the pandemic. And unfortunately, my timing was off. He ended up moving forward with a competitor who works with webinars. And basically, you know, being a politely persistent uh, salesperson, I ended up following up with him. And um, towards the end of the summer, I checked Ben and said, hey, you know, Ken, what's the deal? I know you uh, were giving this a go on your own. How did it end up working out? So basically, close to, I guess, four months had gone by since we'd initially spoken. And he'd actually only gotten, for the entire uh, time that since we had spoken, two phone calls. And overall, about 40 to 50 people registering with uh, his webinar and basically doing the math. I think he was probably in the hold. I mean, we didn't talk about this because he's a very classy guy, but um, he's probably in the hold of at least $10,000, just knowing what I know about how much firms like this charge. And again, if you think back to that slide a couple of slides ago, that is about the results that we're getting every two weeks. Um, well, certainly more than two calls, but at least, uh, at least 40 to 50 registrants is that's about two weeks uh, as far as those, those benchmarks. So really like what the heck had happened here and how can you guys avoid that kind of a pitfall? So Ken had hired a company and these were guys that pride themselves on being webinar experts. So uh, this is actually funny. I, I do try to keep tabs on the other clients or sorry, the other marketing firms that are out there and I'm sure they're doing the same to us. So, Hey, Jennifer, if you're, <laughs> if you're watching us, uh, I don't really want to pick on them specifically, but there are reasons why people who are really, really good at webinars can sometimes fall flat when running this kind of a local campaign. So different targets, different assumptions, live webinars. You gotta, you gotta, (laughs) you gotta roll with the punches anyway. 
So um, webinars haven't necessarily been around forever, but it's, it's been about 10 years, which is a really, really long time in the world of internet marketing. And webinars have been used to sell a lot of different products and services, but probably number one with a bullet is information product. So this is stuff like courses, training programs, you know, that sort of thing. There's two super key differences between that model and selling estate planning services, which makes it really, really necessary to adapt. If you take the, the blueprint for selling a different type of product, you're going to have a bad time if you, if you uh, try to sell a different product. So the first thing is that with, if we're talking about selling an information product, that webinar is reaching audiences that are going to include tens, if not hundreds of millions of people across the country. And a lot of times you'll actually target across the, you know, English speaking world. So United or United Kingdom, Australia, Canada, India, sometimes if you're able to target that correctly. So the, you know, the markets that they're targeting for law firms to contrast are usually super local. So we're talking probably a hundred thousand people. And again, if it's more of a, a rural or suburban area, that could be a radius. Even if you are located in some place like, you know, Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this, I live in, in Brooklyn and in, in the greater New York city area, you're going to have to show me a funeral or a wedding for me to get to Queens or Manhattan at this point. So basically very large market, but in, in reality, it's some distinct markets. The second thing is that with the type of products that they're selling, um, there's really no effort required on the part of the person that's actually selling the course in order to collect money, right? So if I'm selling some sort of a $500 whiz bang course, gadget, whatever, at the end of the webinar, basically you can enter your credit card information to buy, or later you can be convinced through emails or retargeting ads or that kind of thing without having anyone having to be there to take them across the finish line. So kind of addressing the first challenge. So when I found out about Ken's number, I asked him, just by any chance, did most of these registrations come in the first couple of weeks that you guys had this webinar live? And he said, oh yeah, how did you know that? I said, I, I, well, I knew to ask this because this is something we actually ran into when we launched our first webinars. And it's kind of a general principle with Facebook ads as a whole. So um, this is kind of referred to in, internally as, as ad fatigue. But in plain English, it basically means that everyone who could see your ad has seen your ad. So a big reason why these kind of classical webinar marketers tend to have this issue is that the audiences that they're working with are so large, it'll take years until everyone's seen the message, right? If you're talking about marketing to four different countries with you know hundreds of millions of people, unless your budgets are insane, it's gonna take a really, really long time to reach that whole audience versus you know when we're going to 100K super local, they're going to see it pretty quicker, right? So those guys don't have to come up with new messages often. They don't have to fight the ad fatigue the same way we have to fight in local. So to contrast, basically, you know, when we first saw the, the cost per registration start to flag in one of our first campaigns, it was in a little bit more of a rural area in South Dakota, we had to come up with new copy and image creative every couple of weeks. So, and then again, that's something that we, we know is coming. So we're ready for it now. And that's, that's kind of built into the DNA of how we keep these campaigns and have these strong cost per lead numbers week after week. And uh, second thing, right? But we sent emails and no one ended up buying. <laughs> so this is what happens when, you know, we try to sell legal services with the expectations and the tools that are being used to sell information products. So, you know, like I said, um, you're probably going to have a bad time. <laughs> Long story short. And another kind of assumption I want to tease out from the info product world is the cost of what's being sold. So a lot of these products, I think I mentioned $500, very rare to have something that's above $1,000 that's being sold by a webinar. 
and these kind of accessory funnels, which include email and retargeting and that kind of thing. So to contrast, you know, we're using the webinars for our clients to position generally trust-based planning as a solution. And we have firms that are charging upwards of, you know, $5,000 for these packages. And again, you don't have to charge $5,000. We've got people charging 2,500 or 3,500, but you know, that's generally the cost of doing trust-based planning. If you, if you do a survey in most markets in the country, we've even had people that are doing Medicaid packages for $15,000 and above. So again, there technically are info products that are sold through webinars that are approaching these numbers, but, uh, for within the internet marketing space, this is referred to as a high ticket product. And you would probably be pretty crazy and, and no one would, would think to, to commit ad spend to something without having you know, a qualified and trained salesperson to walk somebody through the sale. So basically the expectations and a lot of the times too, like people like to sell the dream. So, you know, set this webinar up, get your email sequence, pay for Infusionsoft, blah, blah, blah. And then just watch the money go up in your bank account. But the reality is um, you're selling something entirely different and you need to, you know, again, it's not impossible. You just have to have different expectations. And I will say this, there are parts of this are, that are, that are automated. Like I said, back on that, that thing um, with the, our benchmarks, about 20% of people are automatically going to book on your calendar to take the next step. But the people that are going ahead and closing three clients per week, like Lisa, are actually doing something to getting to the remaining 80% that don't take the next step. And, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> that's not something that email is going to do for you. So um, we also have follow up on SMS, text message on the phone, but uh, we're going to get to more of that later. All right. The second category of people that I see having problems with getting webinars to work. And these are people who are really strong legal marketers. Um, FYI, I can speak to this category very well because this was us because before we ended up really investing the time to figure this stuff out. So let's talk about legal marketing, right? Some people consider it a category and those people are usually marketers, but there really are several distinct, I would call verticals that correspond to the different major practice areas that you could possibly be as a law firm, right? So you wouldn't want to, you know, run the kind of billboard or TV commercial that a big personal injury firm would use to get their big cases, right? So, you know, in personal injury, to contrast, they wouldn't be using, you know, a seminar model to educate somebody on the merits of hiring someone to get compensation for a recent accident. They're both equally wrong for each other. So intuitively, this makes sense. But if you allow me to kind of nerd out for a bit, this all boils down to what one of my favorite marketers of all time was a guy named Eugene Schwartz used to call levels of awareness. So like I said, no one cares about a personal injury billboard until they get hit by a car. And then it's basically all they care about until they get that situation resolved. That's what we refer to or what Eugene Schwartz refers to as a most aware market. And to contrast that with the seminar model for estate planning services, you might be able to invite somebody who's a likely candidate for needing an estate plan, but wasn't actively in the market. And then through the process of education, you can bring them to the point where they were ready to move forward. So that's what uh, Eugene Schwartz would call an unaware market. So it's somebody who qualifies, but they don't know it. They don't know they have a problem, but you can let them know how they have a problem. <laughs> And then basically, I know I broadly had kind of placed the different practice areas into uh, good day lawyers and bad day lawyers, right? You get hit by a car, the wife serves you divorce papers, you know, ICE is knocking at your door, they're going to deport you, that's a bad day. So <laughs> you know what kind of lawyers you hire for that. And these practice areas have a market that basically, if you kind of were to visualize this, it's like, you know, if you think about the total accessible market for a personal injury firm, 
it kind of blips into existence with everyone that's going to be, you know, suffering sort of an injury that's not at their fault. And then it's going to fade out of existence probably in, you know, week to a month tops as they hire people and are no longer a candidate. But basically, if you, you contrast to estate planning, you know, these are these are good day attorneys, right? You buy a house, right? You have a kid, you want to start a business, that's a good day. Most areas of estate planning, with the exception of probate, would fall into this category. And um, as we went over earlier, we need different tools for different types of law, right? And I can say, basically, uh, I'm sure you're probably getting pitched every week for the last 10 years on stuff like Google SEO, Google AdWords, which you used to do, uh, and directories, Avo, Yelp, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, that stuff really, really works for bad day lawyers because it's capturing people at the moment that the problem arises, which is the only time that that market exists. So yeah, that's basically it. So the, the market kind of follows the money and unfortunately the market, you know, the money happens to be in bad day law. So, you know, I ended up doing this um, one day, I was kind of researching on Info USA the total amount of companies over certain revenue numbers by practice area, which is actually a category with, uh, with Dun & Bradstreet. But basically, you really don't see a lot of 100 million plus law firms that are doing anything else than personal injury. And then I'm, I'm obviously like uh, leaving the white shoe law firms out of the, the picture here. But for the most part, if we're talking about uh, 10 million plus, if it's not personal injury, it's probably going to be family law. And basically, you know, there are some seven figure state planning practices. We've worked with a number of them, but basically it, it kind of pales in comparison to the total amount of money that's in the market for those other practice areas. Right. So it probably shouldn't come as a surprise that most of the names that you see sponsoring the legal conferences and getting speakers and doing all this stuff are usually SEO and PPC guys. And if it's not that it's people that are running directories like Avo and that kind of stuff. And there's really nothing wrong with that. But when these guys try to market seminars, it's really not their core skill set. They're really great at getting people who are already looking for something to pick you over your competition. But that's a really, really big gap and a completely different skill set from getting somebody who doesn't know that they need a service interested in finding out more through a webinar or a seminar before all this stuff ended up happening. So in a nutshell, you're not really going to get on. I mean, this is the thing. Uh, I always used to say, we're really, really good at pay-per-click, but there's nothing that we can do that will prevent you from showing up on Google without having four other attorneys in the top of the ad section, plus the organic section, plus the map section. And it's the same case with that for SEO. It's the same case with that for ABBA or any directory, but basically you're, you're next to 15 other direct competitors whenever you're on any of these last mile kind of situations, which again, works for bad day law, doesn't necessarily work for this. And what happens when you're in that position is that your client's basically primed to price shop. And look, I, I can say this because we have active cap campaigns with the cost per click stuff, and it's very, very expensive the cost per click for estate planning is probably 15 to $20, which is more than we're paying for a full registration for channels like Facebook. So you're basically paying more for somebody who is more likely to price shop. Doesn't work out for, for a lot of folks. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. And that kind of leads me to my next point, which is basically the most common trend that I see in people that are giving this a go uh, for the first time, whether it's DIY or with an agency that's graded SEO or whatever. So basically, they're, well, why don't we take the seminar model and just move it online, right? So we used to book the conference room or the restaurant or whatever, let's call it, you know, next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Then we're going to send traffic, whether that's direct mail or even some people who have done Facebook ads, which um, some people have figured out to get people to show up. 
But here are the challenges that come when you do that. The first one is a very expensive cost per lead. So I kind of mentioned that I try to keep appraised of some of the options in the market. And there's actually a company that I quite respect that used to do live seminars, um, but they were doing it with Facebook ads. I was pretty shocked to find out when I went to one of their actual client facing webinars that their cost per registration for a webinar was pretty similar to what they were paying for an in-person registration until I realized why. And that was because these guys were still sending people to the slot of next Tuesday at 5 p.m. instead of using dynamic options that we have access to by virtue of being online. So take the example of what you probably saw when you signed on to this webinar. You saw an option for today, you saw an option for tomorrow, and you saw an option for the day after that. And what do you really think is going to be more likely to get people to sign up? I mean, just by the numbers, it's more likely that somebody who's clicking onto a page is going to be available for one of three options rather than just one single option. And that just basically leads to more people registering the event or a lower cost per lead, depending on which side of the coin you're, you're looking at there. So the next thing is trends with show rate. And this is where we've seen people losing a ton of money. So first of all, paying more for a person to register, and uh, we'll actually get into the numbers that we're getting in a couple of slides, but it really, really stings when you're only seeing 20 or 30% of the people that you're paying to have registered for the webinar actually show up. And again, I'm going to bring you back to this webinar. So uh, versus if I just decided to host this on Zoom next Tuesday. You're here right now, so obviously this is working to some extent, but you know, if I had an individual time for you to watch this, uh, how much more likely is that something's going to get in the way, whether it's life, kids, business, um, sometime between now and whenever you, know, you initially signed up for it, and you know, if you were to sign up for this a week from now. I don't care how compelling your content is. Uh, I've learned one thing about you know, being a marketer, it's that we get way better results when we build things to the lowest common denominator. And again, I don't want to be disparaging, but I really like to assume that the general audience, especially when we're talking about uh, going to prospects like we have with our clients that are law firms, um, the general audience has distractions. And where there are more distractions that can get in the way, then we, we basically have to assume that and we have to work around it, right? So the reason why we're seeing a show rate anywhere between 50 and 75% for our consumer facing webinars is because we have it more convenient. It's, it's, it's sooner. There's less stuff that can get in the way. And finally, the last thing is uh, kind of following on in that uh, lowest common denominator attention span conversation. The last assumption that you really want to watch out for is that the content for a regular in-person seminar is going to hold people that have their entire house competing for their attention, the entire internet, their inbox right there, just a tab away during every minute of the presentation, right? So even people that you know are really, really great presenters need to make sure that they're introducing their webinar in a way that encourages people to stay on through the end and they need to close it in a way that makes sure that people are taking action. And the other thing too, is that, you know, less than great presenters might have to start things from scratch to make sure that people are intrigued. And, you know, one of the things that we've seen from the, the clients that are most successful is that using stories and I'll get into how we do that later. But one of the really big risks, especially with kind of the more advanced estate planning practices that, that we've looked into and that have worked with us is especially when you get into this advanced stuff, it's very easy to get into very, very fancy techniques and get into the legalese. And, you know, it's really impressive to people that are in the know, but sometimes it's kind of tough to uh, curse of knowledge is what it's referred to. You can't really read what's on the bottle from the inside. So you might end up being losing people. And that's not something that you notice when you've, you know, bribed them with dinner and locked the door behind them. Right. But if somebody has their, you know, dog and their kids and their, their Gmail, 
uh, competing for your attention, you're, you're going to lose them. It's a lot easier to lose people with that kind of a situation. And that is it for me. And I'll see you guys next week at 8 a.m. Eastern on another episode of the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.